On this episode of Powered by Battery, we sit down with Anthony Canada, the former CMO of customer success pioneer Gainsight. Canada helped Gainsight create a new tech category called customer success. And in this discussion, he offers tips and insights for how other companies can build new types of brands. From creating a customer success university to figuring out how to energize people to attend a brand new industry conference, Canada has big ideas for startups with big outside the box aspirations. Have a listen. Well, Anthony Canada, welcome to Powered by Battery. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. All right. So today, I think we're going to drill down deep on the idea of creating a new category mm -hmm. in business, which is something that you did uh, when you were CMO of Gainsight. We're talking about kind of forging a new path, creating a business where, you know, there's no analyst coverage. There's yeah. no press coverage. So mm. um, tell us about your experience at Gainsight, sort of when you joined and, and when you figured out that, oh, my God, I have to create this new category. Yeah. So um, I I had known uh, Nick Mada, our CEO from our last company, Live Office, and we had a great run there. I was in uh, managed a, a partnership relationship at that company. Um, we sold it to Symantec, um, and several months later, Nick went off and, and uh, did his next thing. And I was actually driving up the 5 freeway late at night on a Sunday, and I got a phone call from Nick Maida at like 9 p.m. on a Sunday. Um, you got to take that call. Who, yeah. who doesn't take the call, right, on a, <laughs> a Sunday night at 9 o'clock? Um, you know, and it turns out he was telling me about this company in, in St. Louis that he was uh, joining at the Series A, and they're doing something around customer data. Um, the huge tech scene more. in St. Louis. It, the, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, um, asked me if I wanted to learn more. And Nick, Nick, you know, for those of you that know Nick, you know, is the kind of person that kind of didn't matter what he was going to do, I was going to follow him. And uh, and so I, I, you know, took that job. And in the first few weeks, we were trying to understand, okay, like what is this thing? Um, there were about a handful of customers, maybe five to eight customers. They're really positioning around customer intelligence and some workflow around that. Um, and so we did the, I guess the big company thing and signed contracts with Gartner and Forrester and all these tier one analysts, put them on the phone with our customers. We pitched them on the vision and all of the analysts tried to, uh, recommend that we position against a, um, or position within a existing category that they covered. And so they said we were okay. predictive analytics. Mm -hmm. We're like, all right, that's kind of it. Um, we were CRM and we're like, okay, hold on. We're, we're not competing with Salesforce here. Um, Nothing fit, nothing felt right to us. What we also observed was that there was this young community, a small community that was that was meeting in random office parks around Silicon Valley. They identified themselves as customer success managers and they got it. So the term um, existed. There the were people existed. using the term customer success. For sure. Okay. And I think Salesforce gets the credit for, for naming that function. They said, okay. hey, somebody needs to look after our customers after the deals close, ensure that they're getting value from the products that we're selling them. Um, and so we said, look, we can either run the playbook that Gartner and the others are sort of, you know, shepherding us towards position against an incumbent like Salesforce or someone else, Zendesk, who knows, um, or we can just find a way to serve this persona, this young community that didn't really have a company that was out there fighting for them or out there championing them. And so that's kind of what started us on, on this path. And at the time we didn't think we were creating a category. We just said, there's an sort of underserved persona within the enterprise that no one's paying attention to. What if we built best practices, community and software to help champion them? 
Okay, and just to explain, I think most of our listeners probably understand this, but just in plain terms, explain the concept of customer success. Yeah. This is something that is particularly helpful to companies selling technology on a subscription basis. That's right. right. Yeah, and the core idea is when we're when sales closes the deal and rings the gong, the the job's not done. Like the, uh, ultimately, you need to ensure that customers are getting value from the products that you're selling them, that they're able to achieve their desired outcomes, like why they bought in the first place. And this is an, a new organization within the company that's focused on being proactive with customers, helping them uh, drive towards those outcomes that, that they've signed up for. And so um, in the old world, you might uh, think about this from the account management kind of concept, but a lot more predictive or prescriptive, a lot more proactive um, and really focused on value. Okay. Well, so clearly, just jumping ahead, you did figure out how to create this category because there's people at companies across the world with customer success in their title. You guys run this gigantic you know, user conference yeah. and industry conference. So let's talk about how you got there. And you know, we've talked to you a lot in the past about this topic. Yeah. And I think the things you seem to hone in on as far as tactics for getting here mm -hmm. and you know how other companies can create a category, mm -hmm. a lot of it for you guys had to do with content and events, right? Yeah. Maybe we could drill down into each of those. Totally. So I think one of the controversial things around category creation, um, especially in the early days, we're so wired, I think, within you know tech marketing, enterprise marketing, to position product value. Um, and say, hey, we have the best product in the market, um, here's why. We took a different approach and we, we wanted to position around the people rather than the products. And so we said, how can we help this persona get a seat at the table from in where decisions are made? Um, how do we justify investment in their functional area to the CEO, to the board? How can we help them articulate the value they're driving towards the business? And so that became our content strategy. Um, we developed tools, um, uh, eBooks, blog posts, different kind of content assets. We had them tell their story. It wasn't just us, this, this small company. Right. We built sort of a platform and enabled them to talk about how they're kind of building customer success within their organizations. You know, this is, I think, the Marketo coined the term early stage content versus kind of the mid or late stage content that's more about the product. Right. And so we over indexed on creating that type of content in the early days. Um, and that narrative is something that showed up in a lot of different ways, it showed up online. And so when people search for customer success, they find Gainsight, you know, created content. Right. You know, right. fast forward seven years later, still 60 percent of our traffic comes from organic search. Somebody huh. finds a blog post we wrote on how to run a QBR in 2014, and they find their way to Gainsight. And so it's actually kind of interesting. Um, and events are another expression of that. Events are not a Gainsight product user conference. They're in, you know, we, we built an industry conference brand um, around best practices and networking and customer success, how to do the job of customer success. And so I think the, the nuance there is people, whether in early adopters in new categories or anyone else love to meet other people live. Yeah. They love to connect. And you know, I don't think there's, there's any digital um, replacement ultimately for humans sitting across the table together right. and, and, and talking and, and building a relationship that way. And some of your event, I mean, it's interesting. You have like your big annual uh, kind of marquee event, yeah. which is the big pulse industry conference, but don't, didn't you also kind of facilitate or encourage events where you guys weren't even there? Yeah. So, uh, we, we do a number of different programs. And a lot of this, to your point, this was, this was a little bit of first principles. So some of these ideas aren't necessarily ideas that we learned from other companies, but 
we said, hey, we, we've built this marketable database of custom, of basically our TAM for customer success. Yeah. As we were creating the category, like our database reflected the current TAM, or at least as close as, as possible. Right, right. So if we have, you know, 10,000 CSMs in Sydney, Australia that are opting into our thought leadership, it feels like we have a almost moral obligation to get them to, together. Right. Now, we don't have an office there. We don't have any employees there. But what if we found a local leader um, and basically helped empower their event planning by sending emails on their behalf all around best practices again in community. Right. So not, none of this salesy or, or crossing that, that line. Um, would people come? And the answer yeah. is yes, they would. Um, and ironically, they would invite other people. And so our TAM would grow. And now we had a signal that said, hey, there's something happening in Sydney in that community. Yeah. Should we plant an office there? Should we send some reps? Mm-hmm. Actually, we ended up putting together a, 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 a Pulse APAC, so a, a big kind of conference event in Sydney based on the engagement and the excitement that we saw in the community through our local chapter network. Um, so those are events we don't even go to. We have 50 of them around the world. Um, they meet quarterly and we have kind of a one to many, um, management kind of process for sending those emails, helping wow. the event organizers, that sort of thing. And this pulse brand, maybe you can talk about where you got the name and what that means, but that runs yeah. across content and events, right? Yeah. That's- it's our thought leadership micro brand is basically how we talk okay. about it. Um, if the email comes from pulse versus from Gainsight, you're, you know, you're not being explicitly sold to it's purely thought leadership. Um, uh, we got to the name sort of on accident because, as I mentioned, you know, timeline, Nick comes on board, company's based in St. Louis. It's called Jaybera Software. Uh, about four months later, we hosted a conference. In that window, we were trying to rebrand um, the company. Right. And so what we didn't have was a company name. And so we were doing a search and we're like, hey, like, you know, we think it's going to be something around the health metaphor. By the way, it didn't end up being that. And so we said, what if the conference was about the pulse of the customer base, understanding ah, the health okay. of the customer? And so we had the conference brand before we had the company brand. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. That's fascinating. All right. All right. And then you got so in some sense, you're running some traditional marketing playbooks here yeah. as far as, you know, I'm sure you're doing webinars and you're yeah. doing blog posts and all that. But you did some really innovative things too. Like, isn't there a customer success university? Too? There is. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting because for us, it's all content. Uh, yeah. It's just, and, and we leverage the the modern and innovative distribution kind of mechanisms, paid media, you know, webinars and these other things uh, as a means of amplifying that. But at the end of the day, it's all content to help customer success people do their job better. And right. so one of the things we want to do, we wanted to do was how do we enroll more people into the TAM, into the profession? Right. How do we grow this category, grow this community? And education is a big part of that. And so we've built this program, uh, which is effectively curriculum around certification in customer success. Again, not the product, not the company. Um, it was called Customer Success University. We just relaunched it as Pulse Plus. Okay. Um, and the idea is we want to build like a career companion to people that are in the job. Um, and we find that companies are buying licenses for their teams to certify them in customer success. And they're leveraging that brand equity as like a recruitment mechanism. Hey, wow. our team are, is certified by Gainsight as experts in customer success. The industry leader, certified right. by the industry leader. That's okay. right. So that so it has this like um, interesting effect. One, it builds the brand. So Gainsight is viewed as the industry leader. Yeah. Pulse as a mechanism for that. Two, it actually we monetize that as well. So so it's a free kind of marketing expense for us because right. people pay for those subscriptions and offset some of the production costs huh. and all that. And three, 
that's driving better engagement with our customers and for our prospects, it's getting them into our funnel. And right. so we're actually able to thoughtfully engage with them and see if technology is something that they would be interested in. Um, and so it's demand gen for us as well. We're talking with Anthony Kennedy, currently an executive in residence at Battery Ventures and the former CMO of customer success company Gainsight. Coming up, Canada talks more about how tech companies can build new categories of businesses through innovative marketing programs, and also offers concrete suggestions for how to measure success along the way. Okay. Well, so thinking about this journey and this process from the little company in St. Louis to modern Gainsight, you guys are trying to build this up, create this category where yeah. nothing existed. What were the milestones along the way? I mean, I want to talk about the good and the bad where you knew you were getting traction. Like, yeah. so other companies can look for these same milestones and say, okay, this is working. And then what were some of the challenges that you yeah. had to overcome? So, so on the, the, the signals of this working, um, first of all, was our ability to monetize thought leadership because you can have thousands of people come to your events. You could have, you know, hundreds of thousands of web visitors, whatever it is. If that doesn't turn into thoughtful conversations for your sales team, with target personas from named accounts, you know, then ultimately it's not, you know, it's all for not, right. or you're a lifestyle brand or a media company or something, right? You're not a software company. And so the, the early signal was we were able to actually generate revenue off of this um, on a small scale. And then obviously that's grown over time. Um, and so building kind of the muscle of saying, hey, how can we invest in the people of the job, but also look for signals of buying intent uh -huh. and get them on the phone with our sales reps. Uh, that was one of the one of the early signals. Over time, um, you know, even to this day, a majority set of our something like 80% of our pipeline comes from marketing, sourced wow. by marketing. If you look at influence, it's close to 100%. So marketing was growing the company. And so we knew that, okay, there's, there's resonance here. There's, there's, um, you know, people are, are buying into the message that we're that we're sending and it's turning into into deals. Eventually you look at things like, you know, we started doing the event every year and right. so conference attendance would go up every year. You know, we we're able to obviously hit 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 those those milestones. And so I think all of those basically help just confirm that yeah. we're on the right path. Um, what about what about how you dealt with sales? Are there best practices that you could just kind of pull out to talk about that for other companies? Yeah, um, I, the what we found is companies that are creating categories, and I, I you know this is something that comes into play in, in a minute here on the challenges. Um, it's a long game, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's a we I use the term long term greedy, the <laughs> which is. Uh, um, I forget the gentleman that, that coined that, but basically long-term greed is something you need to basically position a problem that people haven't been able to articulate in the marketplace and get folks to rally behind it. Um, from a sales perspective, you know, if you're there, there are a lot of companies out there that are sort of, you know, product market fit, like we've got a clear buyer, clear value proposition, just give us the leads and we're going to close the deals and hit the number. It's a little harder with category creation. So the the tact what we've used culturally is we want to recruit folks that that really appreciate value selling, um, because value selling uh, is so much bigger than just you know selling uh, bot not bots but uh, selling you know uh, uh, something that has just just clear mark product market fit mm -hmm. versus selling the the brand promise and selling the vision the concept, and the concept. Yeah. And how all of these things we've talked about so far, like the the community and the content and events, how that kind of bundles in with the technology to help drive business transformation. 
that's something that honestly, from a recruiting point of view, we need to find the right reps that that prefer to sell that way. Right. Um, we need to implement a sales methodology that you know can help activate that. Um, those are the types of things that I think we've had to learn over time versus saying, hey, let's just put in kind of a, a more prototypical sales process that might be in conflict with, right. with value selling. Well, so you don't have to give me specific numbers, but this makes me think of budget. So like yeah. if so many of these leads are coming from marketing, does yeah. this call for a larger than usual marketing budget? And yeah. how do you sell that to the CEO? Yeah. How does that all work? The answer is yes. Um, <laughs> we definitely do. Um, that's probably one of the the hard things is creating categories is actually quite expensive. And so you need the buy-in. You need from, from early days, Nick, our CEO bought in, you know, our board during the early days really confirmed that, hey, we're we're in this for the long game. Um, we're trying to really build a movement behind the company that we're starting. This is more than just, um, you know, uh, than technology. Um, there's a long road ahead from from a spend point of view. And so I, it, it'd be tough to be a marketer that says, hey, I want to create a category when you don't have that buy-in from, from the rest of the executive team. Um, the other piece that makes it hard is actually articulating the ROI of all of that investment mm-hmm. in the short term. Yes. And so, you know, spending, you know, $50 on a thought leadership program and expecting to see the return in 30, 60, 90 days is difficult. Um, we've, we're here to say over the long arc of time, like that value is there. Um, uh, but kind of on the short term basis, you kind of have to believe that what you're investing in is building something that, that ultimately the market will catch up with where you are from an investment point of view. Okay. Okay. So going back to the the, the company building journey, what yeah. what were the biggest challenges, things people should look out for? Yeah. So uh, I, I call this the, the two funnel effect, um, <laughs> which is tough. It's hard enough as a marketer, marketing sales organization to manage one funnel. Um, but the, the first funnel is people buying into your category. And so there's a lot of folks, and we've talked about this over the right. years. What is customer success exactly? Right. Like explain this to me in 10 seconds or yeah. less. Uh, it's kind of difficult. Um, and maybe in our echo chamber in Silicon Valley, sometimes it, it's easier because you hear this and, and other folks are doing it. But if you're selling to a manufacturing company, you know, uh, somewhere in, in the Midwest, um, you can't just outbound call in and say, hey, who runs customer success? Right. So you have to build a funnel of people that understand what your category is um, and have signed up to be a part of it and signed up to invest in building that that uh, that discipline out or, or investing in the strategy. That comes through a lot of your content efforts, right. a lot of events. You're building your marketable database. They're engaging with your database, uh, with your content. Um, they're showing you signals that they're interested in your your narrative. Yeah. You got to build a bridge to the second funnel, which is actually where you monetize and, and drive drive the traditional sales, funnel. The That's traditional funnel. funnel, and so the uh, the biggest challenge we saw, and I've seen this with other companies that are building categories or trying to build categories, is the bridge from funnel one to funnel two. There's there's a there's a drop, um, and finding ways to um, basically be able to um, get folks that are excited about the category um, to get excited about your product. Right. right. Um, and that, that's where I think a lot of the, the challenges are. And so to this day, you know, you can see off the charts growth on, on the, the, the former, but how do you get that hyper growth on, the, on, on funnel two? Um, that, that's, I think, the biggest thing, the biggest mm-hmm. uh, hurdle companies okay. are going to have to overcome. Okay. What about, um, I mean, you kind of talked about this with your example of the CEO in the Midwest, but I think for a lot of companies in Silicon Valley and Gainsight was yeah. one of these, your initial company or customers, sorry, are other tech companies, yeah. right? So were there specific strategies you employed to tap into other sectors? 
Yeah, uh, it, it's still an evolving thing. So Gainsight today really focuses on selling to tech companies mm-hmm. um, all these years later. Right. And so what we found, our strategy is, hey, customer success uh, is more than just a single department, organization. Right. It's actually a company-wide imperative. And so there are other organizations that we need to sell products to, build products to, acquire products to sell to, um, to, to sort of manifest the entire vision of customer success. Right. So our... Our way of doing that was saying, hey, rather than going to, you know, uh, a ton of new verticals right away, let's sell more things to, to tech, to different departments. And land and expand. Land and there. expand, cross-sell into other, right. other, other departments. Um, we're starting to do a lot of work with healthcare um, in particular mm-hmm. um, and uh, ed tech as well. Um, and honestly, the way we did it seven years later, again, right. this, isn't, this isn't early days kind of work for us. Um, is to hire a subject matter expert from those verticals that understands, you know, the language, understands the, you know, what would a, you know, we say health tech, there's, you know, the folks battery, you guys know this really well, there's 17 different versions of what health tech means. Yes. If it's the payer side, if it's like patient tech, whatever it is. Um, and so being able to articulate that message, we, we needed a subject matter expert that's living in that space to really be able to position properly understand who are our target accounts that we want to go after, what are the events we need to exhibit at to get the attention of these folks, all that type of stuff. Okay, this is a super tactical question, but what about analyst coverage and buy-in? Because I I work with our portfolio companies a lot and I hear this a lot. Um, Usually it's kind of an expensive proposition, but how, any tips for dealing with the analyst community? Oh man, I'm, uh, uh, I'm a tough, I'm a tough one on, on analysts. I think just because I'm, we're still learning about um, what, how category creation and the analyst community kind of fit together. Because right. for so long, analysts actually created categories or the belief was that if, if you, you didn't have a um, quadrant of sorts, you know. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, a magic one. A magic that. one. Yes. I don't want to call anyone out. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not a real category, right? right. What I've been uh, excited about is there's a new model developing around really um, un- unlocking the power of customer voice and taking analysts sort of, I, I don't want to say, um, I don't want to say uh, de-emphasizing the importance of, of analysts, but bringing a new kind of um, point of view. And these are the G2 crowds and trust radius of the world and folks that are saying, hey, let's just go straight to the customers and let let them tell, tell the story and right. let them crown the category leader, yeah. let them crown the market leaders. Um, so, We've we continue to to at Gainsight spend on you know tier one analysts. I think in in general, um, there's a lot of a lot of different ways, a lot of different strategies to kind of get their attention. They are expensive. For us, we found that we're going to be like hyper focused on our customers first. Right. And then where appropriate, invest with the analyst community. That's interesting because that's maybe the second or third time you've mentioned customer stories. Yeah. And just you know, thinking about journalism, the the mantra is show, don't tell. And yeah. if you can get your customers to show how you're adding value, that may ultimately either be more important than the analyst report or do an end run around them and force yeah. them then to acknowledge you. Totally. Right? And I, yeah. I think that's it. I think you know, over the long kind of curve of time, um, hopefully we would have had enough customers sharing their stories that we could show to the analysts and then from there you know other vendors kind of will come into the space help validate the category and then there's something more formal a more formal traditional yeah. process there um i think just our overall perspective and it sounds like from, from the media perspective this is shared it, it, it's all about the customer and their story and 
that's I think ultimately the where companies ought to over invest uh, and over index their time. Okay, great, great. Well, listen, we're gonna we're gonna talk about what's next for you in a minute because okay. you're at sort of an inflection point <laughs> in your career, an exciting inflection point that Battery is actually gonna take advantage of. But <laughs> but let's go back and talk about the early part of your career. Um, you're a really young guy. I um, think I remember nominating you for like Forbes 30 Under 30 <laughs> not too long ago. But tell us about how you got your start in your career. Right out of college, I was actually a tech recruiter, and it was a great year to be a tech recruiter, 2008. Um, <laughs> you say that facetiously. I say okay. that very facetiously. Okay. Hopefully that comes across on audio. Um, <laughs> you know, and my job was to help place engineers with that Silicon Valley tech companies, and um, it was a very rough time to do that. Right. And I was only able to place one engineer, and it was with a very small file-sharing startup in Palo Alto called Box. Um, <laughs> it's like 13 people at the company. Yeah, and this yeah. Was, helped get Helped them get number 14. Um, about six months into the job, our company folded. It was a very small kind of uh, startup in, in L.A. And once I sort of was faced with this unemployment thing pretty close out, <laughs> out of college, I called up some of the old hiring managers that I was trying to recruit for, Box in particular, and I said, hey, like this is something, you know, I, I've worked for you on the outside. Uh, will you give me a shot on your sales floor? Um, and Box, you know, responded and said, hey, they're willing to take a call. Um, I took a call on a Wednesday, I think. I drove up on Friday for an in-person, got got the offer from from Aaron and team, and drove back down and drove back up with all my stuff and never looked back. Um, and that's really where I fell in love with with startups and with uh-huh. innovation and enterprise software and SaaS in particular and culture and all all the great things uh, that that we um, we've been able to I think really push from a from a progressive business practice point of view and so really got a chance to spend a lot of my time growing at Box left Box ultimately to join Nick at his company before Gaines uh-huh. I called Live Office uh, I was in BDE partnerships we sold that to Symantec um, spent some time at Symantec before I got the call from Nick. That, right. that Sunday night and decided to come and take a swing at marketing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so what's next for you? Tell us you've got a book, I think, coming yeah. out. You've got a new job with us. So tell <laughs> us all about that stuff. Yeah. So you know, I've been uh, really fortunate. Category creation is something that, you know, we've had to sort of figure out. And there hasn't been a lot. There isn't this like uh, p- sanctioned playbook for how to do right. this. There was a lot of first principles thinking that went into it. Um, and so we've had a chance to meet with a lot of our customers and folks just in the community and, and people that are interested in, in kind of running that Gainsight playbook. Um, and so I was very fortunate to have the chance to partner with Wiley on writing the book on category creation, okay. at least from a from a um, operational, like, how do you do this? I think a lot of folks appreciate why creating a category is, is meaningful, but how do you actually, what are the nuts and bolts of doing it? We talked about some of the things today. Um, and so category creation, it's coming out in October, super excited about it. Um, and you know, really were able to tell, tell the story of companies like HubSpot and Salesforce and, um, even some great up and coming companies drift, um, to name one that's doing some really interesting things Uh around conversational marketing, G2 and others. Um, so that's coming out in October, super excited. All right. And you know, in writing that, it kind of felt like my yearbook. Like I was writing, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is like, you know, this is, everything that I think this is my heart and soul for six and a half years of building Gainsight from, you know, 19 employees to 650, um, you know, from less, less than a million dollars of ARR to, you know, looking at nine digits, mm-hmm. like we're, it's been an incredible run and the team is just, just set up for success. And so 
felt like this was the opportunity to kind of hand hand um, hand the torch over to to someone else to kind of take take uh, take over. Um, so I'm, I've just announced I've, I've left Gainsight and I'm joining Battery. Super right. excited um, as an executive in residence, and we'll be working with a lot of the portfolio companies on category creation and marketing while I kind of figure out what what the next chapter is going to look like. All right. Awesome. Well, we can already tell you've got a lot of great insights to share. All right. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me.